0: This episode is part of Sure Sounds Good. We're supported by Sure Mics and Headphones with production by Made in India. So if you think we sound good, you now know why. We're using the Sure MV7 and MV7X mics, their latest mics for podcasters. It's a studio-level recording mic that I can use at home or in the studio and connect via USB or XLR, which makes my podcast recording so much easier, no matter where I am. If you want to find out what equipment we used, Check out the show description for more information or go to shore.com. When it matters most, rely on Shure to deliver premium sound wherever you go. It's amazing. I love this idea of having a board of directors of your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I definitely need
1: that board of directors. Every bad decision I make, I'm like, hey, should I do this? No, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Thanks, just so that you know.
0: You love me anyway. <laughs>
1: It's been a while since I recorded an episode of No Sugar Coat and I'm so happy to be back. What makes this special episode even more special is that today we're turning the tables. I love hosting this show, but it's been a while and I feel that I might be a little rusty. So filling in as host today is one of my good friends, podcast queen and founder of the production house Made in India, May Thomas. I'm excited and slightly nervous to experience what it's like to be a guest on my own show. Go easy on me, okay?
0: I'll try. But you know what I'm going to do? And this is what I'm really excited about because I'm not going to put my usual hat on. I'm putting my puja hat on.
1: Oh, God, I'm so scared.
0: <laughs> and this puja hat, so welcome to Me asking puja, puja questions. Oh, God. <laughs> Your puja questions
1: are more like uh, who are the three people you like to have dinner with? Oh, <laughs> no, those.
0: <laughs> okay, so you know what? My team is wonderful and they've put the questions together of like all the questions you asked other guests in your episodes. And I'm going to start with this one because I think this might be maybe a little emo. I don't know. But like this was a question you asked guests, which don't is Don't make what? me cry. <laughs> me. No, no. <laughs> so what has 2020 and 2021 taught you? Oh God. We're starting there, huh? Uh. Uh-huh.
1: Okay, I feel that 2020 and 2021 uh, just taught me a lot of resilience and it showed me what is truly important. I feel for the longest time, my life was just nonstop. you know. It was one thing and the other thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I never really took the time to pause and reflect and be like, oh, this is what I've done or this is what I can do. So I think that there was never any like, pause and reflect moment in my life. It was always what am I doing next and what am I doing next and it was always this you know roller coaster of emotions constantly and then suddenly everything stopped. So I think for me it was just about getting to know myself better, looking at the things I'd done, um, figuring out what I really want to do and at the end of the day just realizing that hey I can count on myself you know Mm -hmm. and uh, it's been crazy and beautiful and there's been a lot of tears and I think my friends are (laughs) fed up of me crying all the time but it's been great like I I look back and then sometimes I'm like why did it take all of that for me to see all of this so now you know I'm like how can I live a life like this without being a headless chicken and without like uh, really getting like a big crisis to make me see myself differently.
0: And as you mentioned earlier, which is that I think I also went through that same existential crisis of like, what am I doing? And the amount of crying I have done in the last two years is like way more than my angsty teenage years. Like, I'm just like, this is unbelievable. There was some kind of gate that got open. And like anything now, what does this make me like just start welling up? Like What is wrong with me? We're in touch with our emotions now, okay. That, is that what they call it? Okay, great. <laughs> That's good to know. I, I know my emotions. Like, we're besties. We're too close, actually. I think I need some distance for my emotions right now it's too much I think this idea of pausing is interesting you're in that hamster wheel all the time do you feel like that pausing has kind of led you to maybe add more pauses in your life
1: yeah a hundred percent I think it's it's kind of showed me what is truly important uh who are the people that are truly important in my life and um, how to balance, you know, this this whole work-life balance thing that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's difficult for a person like me who's, you know, constantly thinking about what can I do next. But to just be in the moment and be like, you know, this, this is it. This is this moment and that's all I'm going to do.
0: Yeah.
1: I think for me that was the biggest change.
0: So I know that especially during 2020, Love 15 in particular went through huge shifts, right? The cafe... It was like a heartbreak. I'm sure for you, it was a heartbreak for many. So, this is a question that you had asked on the show. What is the one thing about leadership and team management that you know now that you wish you'd known when you had like started out?
1: I asked some good questions. Huh?
0: <laughs> You're like now, and I have to answer. It's too much.
1: <laughs> too hectic. When I started Low Fifteen, I was so young and so naive. And I had this, you know, it's that likability trap, right? You want to be liked by everyone. You want to be everyone's friend. And I think for me, only in the last two years have I realized when you set boundaries, when you really realize that I can be friendly, but they're not looking to me to be their friend. I think just that setting the tone of, you know, if you have a, and this is in the Netflix culture doc, which I really liked, is that, We're not family, you know, you won't go fire your family and you won't, you know. So it's like if you change your perspective and look at it as a as a really high performing sports team. And then, you know, the reason why everyone is on that team is because they're all great performers and you rely and depend on each other. And then you actually show up to perform every single day. And I think when that shifted in my head and I'm like, hey, this is not some, you know, Family situation. This we're like a high-performance sports team, and everyone is here to perform. And I set a really high bar of excellence for myself, and now I'm going to expect that for the team and the people that I hire. And I'm going to help them and build capacity in them to make sure that they can also get there. It's not going to be easy. Like athletes, don't have it easy at all, right? It's difficult in your training, but then you're focused on a goal and you're working towards getting a result.
0: I think this is another thing that i'm super curious about which i think you've asked a lot of people which is that what is the one thing about money you know now that you wish you'd known 10 years ago
1: i think that this is something that i've learned very late and I think it's in 2020 because I was you know when you're kind of like a creative person and you're doing something out of passion it almost feels bad to be like oh I'm doing this to earn money right Mm. Uh, and I lived like that for so long I think for the first seven years of Love 15 I didn't take a penny from the business everything that came in went right back in and then finally when 2020 came around I was like what do I have to show for myself, you know? Yeah. And for me, that was like a, a big turning point in my life where I was like, okay, money is super important. And <laughs> Yeah, a surprise. No, but I, it was also this thing of, I think as a young girl, no one ever spoke to you about money, no one ever told you how to save it, how to invest it, what to do with it. So I think that, I never had those skill sets, you know, and even while running low 15, I think the biggest mistakes I made early on was trusting my accountant or the finance people in the team to do everything without really getting into it. And I was always like, oh, yeah, I'm the creative and someone. And now like that has changed completely for me. So there's two aspects to it now. Now I actually have a financial coach that I work with every week. And I try to understand different concepts. I understand my own personal wealth. I understand how to build your own wealth. And I think it's been a game changer, you know. And now I'm like, if I was doing this 10 years ago, by now I could have bought a house. Like, what is wrong with me? You know, like, why didn't I see this? Why didn't I do this? Because when I was 23, I was like, yeah, I was so small. Who's going to save 5,000, 10,000, It's so little. Yeah. And now I'm like, dude, save everything, you know, or
0: invest everything.
1: Like, learn how yeah. to do it.
0: It's so interesting you say this because, you know, it's not like I knew. I can't even tell you at the age of like 12 or 13 as a teenager what my dad's salary was. I have no idea. I have no clue what my parents were earning. I don't know how much it costs to do certain things in the house, like nothing. And I have to say I'm genuinely lucky because the moment I came back to India and I started earning my mother was like, you should put your money here, money there. And everyone had one LIC auntie. (laughs) Like you just, you just knew that like, there's one of these things. And I don't know if I can call him my financial coach, but maybe he's like my financial like guide. But I have, you know, a very dear friend of mine who in 2020 did a presentation. I, I told him, I was like, you need to just sit tell me what are the things that I need to actually consider so that I can reach a certain point, right? And you know how you have those Instagram filters at the top (laughs) that tell you, like, what do you see for your future? Like, what's your plans? And my plan for my future was I'm really looking forward to retirement. Like, I'm very excited about retirement, of just looking at a tree and planting a tomato or something. I don't know. And so... My whole thing in my head was that, but I need a plan for that. You know, something super basic was like, do you have medical insurance? <laughs> like stuff like that. Do you just have, do you have medical insurance? All of those kind of like really tiny things of like, do you have life insurance? Do you have medical insurance? Do you have this, do you have that? Like he gave me like a set of questions and I was so embarrassed. I was embarrassed to give him my answers, even though he's one of my dearest friends. No, and
1: I feel like, you know, we're not alone in this. And I, you know, if there are any young entrepreneurs, girls listening to this, that's my advice to you is that it's never too early to start, even if you're 20 or 21, figure that out, sit with someone who understands it and plan your future. You know, I think that's the biggest learning for me in my career so far. And I'm hoping in some way, some part in my journey, I can address it, learn for myself. And with that learning, help other women out. Yeah,
0: it is. The whole money thing is, is so important to be able to like, consider. Also just consider. talking about money now. Yeah, it really hit me hard when you talk about being a creative person, because on some level, people don't realize that like to make something of a certain quality in a certain way requires that you actually should pay for it. Like I used to, I felt so guilty sometimes to ask people to pay me. And I would just be like, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then you have this moment and it's such few, like I have such few friends or people that I know who are like, before you do this, I'll pay you. And you know, when you have friends who just say that, I'm more likely to just be like, I'll give it to you for free. (laughs) No! (laughs) Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, sorry. I'm not learning my (laughs) lessons also, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so next Puja question to Puja. What is the one thing you know about friendship that you wish you knew earlier?
1: I think that I've been very lucky in my life to have really good friends ever since I was little. I'm still very close to all my school friends that I've known since I was six years old. My college friends that I met in Switzerland and France. And that's just the kind of person I am that I love people and I love staying in touch with people. And I truly, genuinely care about how they're doing, what they're up to. So I make a lot of the efforts. But I feel that you have to realize at some point it's a two-way street, right? You can't be the only one who's invested in a friendship. And I think as you grow older, a very important thing that my leadership coach made me do right at the start of the pandemic is actually make a list of 10 people in my life that were the most important. And to write down why they were in my life and why they were important to me. And for someone like me, who maybe four years ago would say, oh, she's my best friend, my best friend, I have like 400 best friends, not understanding the concept of that, to actually sit down and distill this list. And everyone, like she's like, include your mother or your father or, you know, why is your mom there, your dad not there? Or like, you know, like even your relationships, like 10 people that are like super close to you. And when you start making that list and when you put those 10 people that are your people, your innermost core, it just, everything else kind of melts away in the sense of I'm like, if whatever happens in the world, things go to shit, whatever. If these 10 people know me, they know why they're in my life, I feel supported enough and loved enough that nobody else's opinion matters. It kind of becomes like your board for your life. You know, so I think for me, that was the biggest change. I feel that the thing I learned about friendship was it has to be reciprocated in the same manner. And ever since I've done that, the kind of love and friendship that I have in my life over the last two years, it's it's amazing.
0: I love this idea of having a board of directors of your life. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I think I definitely need that board of directors. Every
1: bad decision I make, I'm like, hey, should I do this? No, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) Thanks. Just so that you know. You love me (laughs) anyway. And another thing which was very important for me also, because growing up, man, I was like super loyal. I mean, I still am, but I would never see people's faults. Like if I was your friend, you were perfect to me. Right. And that really caused a lot of problems in growing up because I would not see the person for who they were. Right. And I would just be like, okay, this person's perfect and put them up on this pedestal and be like, this is my friend and I love her. And I wouldn't allow anyone to say anything about them, all of that. And now I'm like, I see we all are flawed, you know, and it's human to be flawed. And I can see everyone's positives and negatives and flaws and, and you know, what they add value with it. And you see them as a whole. I think for me, that's also been a very big change where you acknowledge what this person actually is like. And you love them for that even, you know?
0: Yeah. I think the one thing that definitely during the pandemic about friendship is that I've been sort of pushing this with like so many of my friends is that, you know, when you haven't replied to someone's message or you haven't called them back. And then when you do, you instantly are like, hey, I'm so sorry I missed you. Hey, I'm so sorry. Hey, I'm so sorry. And I've started to tell all of my friends this and, and they've sort of given it back to me as well, which is that no guilt we're not guilting each other because I haven't seen you in a long time we're not guilting each other because I took a month to reply no guilt that is my thing I'm like I'm so tired of being guilted for like so now I'm like I can't do this guilting anymore you don't guilt me I don't guilt you <laughs> next on the Pooja list of questions what is the one thing you know now about love Did I know you- <laughs> nothing
1: about love me next question <laughs> I know nothing
0: <laughs> zero nothing zero.
1: I feel like the older I get the more it's turning and becoming into about loving yourself more than anything else and I feel that the last few years especially has been about that and it sounds ridiculous to be where I am and who I am today to say that hey I don't think I love myself 100% and that is you know strange but it's true and I think that that's what I'm constantly working on
0: and this whole thing of like, he completes me. Oh, no, that's bullshit. Not, yeah. no.
1: <laughs> Nobody's completely Also soulmates. This is the thing, right? Because this whole soulmate concept makes you feel like one person is supposed to complete you and add so much value to your life. But when I look around me and I see my different friends that add different things to my life, I feel yeah, it's yeah. it's unrealistic to expect that one person to be yeah. everything. Absolutely, And I think that, I mean, it's it's been a while since I've been, you know, in a relationship, so I can't say much. But I just know that,
0: <laughs> I just know. That, like, I can't give airways. I, right I, I
1: don't know, guys. I'm doing something very wrong. No. <laughs> I'll figure it out someday. But uh, yeah, it just comes down to just being good with yourself, I think.
0: No, absolutely. Okay, what is your never again?
1: Not listen to my gut feeling. Not listen to my intuition. When my instincts are quite accurate and when it's telling me something to listen to it. Because there's been instances in the past where I felt something about a situation and I knew something was wrong. But I decided to just be intelligent about it and not go with my feeling. And obviously it turned out to be disastrous. And I was like, I should have listened to myself.
0: Also, I feel like when I've gone with my gut, I felt better. And by the way, it's not like I've not gone with my gut and some things have gone wrong. Because my thing is like, just because you go with your gut feeling doesn't mean everything's gonna be perfect. You can go with your gut feeling and even if one or two things don't go completely, that's okay. That didn't mean that your gut feeling was wrong. It meant that, okay, this small mistake happened, you can rectify it. But when I've not gotten with my gut and something has gone horribly wrong and I'm like, you know, this is not, I knew I should have trusted. So go with your gut because I always feel like it just makes me feel better. This one I'm actually really excited about, which is how do you deal with fame on a personal level?
1: I don't know. I am lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people that keep me very grounded. Mm. I see a lot of fame around me and I see how well people deal with it. I've also met people who don't deal with it very well and I see what happens to them when that happens. Yeah. Man, I just don't acknowledge it. <laughs>
0: Can I ask you a question? Because I'm very curious about this. How do you deal with fame badly?
1: I mean, then it becomes, uh, it it takes over you, right? It becomes, it's not so much about who you are as a person, but what the perception of you is. And then you start identifying with that. And that becomes bigger than, you know, your essence, I guess. Then it also changes the way you behave as a person, the kind of people you have around you, all of that. And it scares me sometimes to see that because it's, it's not like I was born into any of this. It's not like I grew up with any of this. And it's a little bit like overwhelming sometimes, but it's also nice and I enjoy it. And I just know that it's not real in in, yeah. in, in a way. Like I don't, I look at it as, you know, it comes with its ebbs and flows. And the whole thing of finding those 10 people and keeping them close and knowing what is truly important yeah. grounds me and then everything else is just... You know, we'll be sitting with Oprah soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Ambition. I love it. One day. Soon. Soon. What is the one piece of advice you keep giving other people that you wish you could take yourself? Take time off for yourself. Wow. Seriously? Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I like that one. And lastly, what is the big dream for you? Work or personally? Personally. I
1: mean, you know, since we started this, the first episode zero that we did mm. uh, and we said world domination and Love 15 in every city, nothing has changed. I still want all of those things. I feel like I've built something really special when I see how it you know, impacts people's lives. I would like to see Love 15 really grow and f- grow into its full potential. But then after a while, I also have so many other interests like I want to do... I want to write a lot more. I maybe want to do a script writing course. I want to learn how to be a yoga teacher. I want to learn how to make bread. There's just so much to do. Mm -hmm. So I want to reach a stage maybe in the next five or six years where level 15 doesn't need me as much in the day-to-day. And then I can do all these other things that I want to do.
0: Oh my God.
1: That's my big dream.
0: I feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Pooj, I'm really glad I got to ask you all the questions you ask other people. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you. It's hey, the good questions, I must say. You're I a good host. Love <laughs> them. I <laughs> pro tips. This episode of No Sugar Code with Pooja Dingra was brought to you by Sure Sounds Good using Shura mics and headphones with production by Made in India. Hosted by me, May Mariam Thomas, and this time around, our guest was Pooja Dingra. It was recorded at Island City Studios by audio engineer Harsh Desai edited by Karthik Kokarni with producer Hussein Haveliwala